Hello and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character, a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today I'm talking to Tom Dullamond. Now, that's not technically true. I actually recorded this and spoke with Tom way back in 2017 when I first had the idea for this podcast. Tom had been a guest on my other, my original podcast, I should say, Comics Watchtower, and where I talked to Australian authors about their love of comics and what their influences were going into the works that they created. But uh, Tom had been a guest on that, and he and I started talking about role-playing games. Uh, he had a, a couple of role-playing games that he was into at the time, and I just started getting back into Dungeons & Dragons. So I thought, hey, why not? This has been an idea rattling around in my head for a while now, so I'd like to try it again. And uh, Tom very kindly agreed to be the, the pilot uh, episode of a podcast that I'm only now just getting off the ground. But uh, Tom is an Australian short fiction author. He has been in a number of different anthologies, been published, uh, things like A Hand of Knaves from the Cambula, the Cambula, the Canberra Speculative Fiction Guild and Ride the Starwind from Broken Eye Press, as well as a number of other publications as well. But you can find more about Tom on his website, his website, which is cacoctopus, uh, C-A-C-O-T-O-P-O-S, dot wordpress.com where he has some of his works for sale and you can also find an actual play post of his role-playing game from back in 2013 which i believe he's moved to twitter now which i often catch up on when i'm actually browsing twitter which is not as recent much as i would like but without much further ado let's get into the episode where i talk with tom about his character kalex So, Tom, tell me about your D&D character. My D&D character is a monk. Um, their name is Kalex. Their apparent gender is unspecified. The, their appearance is cribbed from uh, a Google image search. I was looking for kind of nihilistic... Um, uh, I, I think I, I was aiming for the, the Clive Barker Cenobite notion. And so I found an androgynous slash feminine um, full frontal face picture uh, of uh, Pinhead, effectively. So what would look like a female version of Pinhead. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, monks need to meditate. We're playing fifth edition. Monks need to meditate. And so uh, Kalex, who only wears robes, sits down meditates pulls out the um, the pins from a bag and puts them in a grid pattern over their head oh uh, sorry a shiver just ran up my spine just from the the idea of doing that which i think i don't know if that's intentional or not but yeah it's absolutely intentional the 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 intention that the intent is for um for calyx to become one with the universe the uh, and the process of achieving that is um, to remove or to 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 compress all sensation into into reality. So pain, pleasure, all that is one kind of amorphous cloud to to wade through, not spikes of experience that need to be that need to be savored. So the character, the the, the party that Kalex runs around with. Uh, comprises up to six or seven other players, depending on who's attending. We play every fortnight. 
and we have a rotating dungeon master sort of model. So a lot of us have been playing for years, and we don't all want to run the game constantly, but we also don't want to not run a game once in a while. So we kind of have adventure arcs where the, uh, the, the dungeon master will take their character and kind of walk them off stage to do something else, and then take over the adventure for a few sessions, which, um, which works quite well. Um, and so the um, Kalex's monkish kind of uh, area is the shadow monk, so that ties in with their um, the, the kind of light dark separation sort of you know like everything is everything has to become a, a, a formless void. I don't want to be here anymore. That kind of makes sense. Absorb myself into the world. So that the current struggle. I don't want to go too much into the, the story that that we've, we've traveled 150 years into the past, irrevocably changed the future. So all our pasts are gone, right? There are 150 years in the future. We've changed history to the extent that we cannot ever get back there because some of the key players that made that future happen are now dead or missing. And so that, that Calix had a lot of trouble uh, separating themselves from that notion because the world needs to be the way it, it was, right? The world shouldn't be changed to this extent, but... I'm stuck with that now. I can't do anything about it. Um, anyway, so that the current struggle is uh, reconciling myself to the fact that my future is gone. I have a child in the future who is, when I left, is six. Totally uh, estranged, but still a sort of connection to the world, which goes against the core, you know, my goal of, of separating myself from the world. And so when our story rolls into the next Dungeon Master, which will be me, I'm going to try to steer the party a little bit into exploring the, the future that they've killed. So I'm going to send them back to the future and allow them to bring one thing back. And the notion will be that my character will go off somewhere, meditate and allow them to, you know, move back into that broken strand of time for a brief period. That way I'm there, I'm not there, but I'm still part of the story. Uh, and the other challenge I'm facing is that I think the next thing I need to do is take my eyes out um, because that's another distraction. But, of course, game mechanics-wise, uh, that's a huge step because although I'm really good at punching things, it will be really hard to punch things with disadvantage. Yes. Um, so so that's, that's, that's me in that, in that world. Uh, so originally I'm actually female. I've had my breast surgically removed, and I never reveal my gender to anyone. The party is constantly misgendering me as he. I'm just going to point out uh, that this, we're talking about um, Calix, not Tom. Yes. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Actually, I didn't want to... <laughs> I do want to make that uncomfortable for everyone. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, that's why they're kind of confused because, you know, it's me in my – I mean, I'm not hyper-masculine, but I'm also not particularly feminine. I'm balding a little bit and I have a beard. So uh, they constantly just think I'm a dude, uh, which is fine. I'm not changing their mind. I never get changed around them. And I, I take medicine and, and herbs and crap, so I don't have to worry about – mortal things like menstruation and whatnot. But eventually they'll figure out that my daughter – thinks I'm her mum and that'll fucking mess with their mind. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that, that sounds really good. I mean, that's always, it's fun to toy with your party like that. Oh, well, I know that I've, played, I've been playing with some of these people since 1989. I was in year nine when I first started playing Dungeons & Dragons. Well, how'd you get into Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, well, um, my, one of my best friends at school, um, whose name is Nicholas Roots, who no one will know, uh, introduced me to AD&D second edition and as we were in year nine so we were like probably 12 or 13 it was your typical 
oh, I'm playing a four multi-class, four, four different class character, level 82, blah, blah, blah. And like, it was just fucking stupid, stupid as all hell. And it was just him running the game for me and throwing impossible to kill monsters at me and killing me. But that's kind of got us going. By the time we were in year 11 and 12, um, we, we had a, a group of four or five friends and we played, I think every fortnight still, it might have been weekly. And when, when you're a child, but like when, when you're that age, weekly as possible. Um, and we would just drink liters of Coca-Cola and, um, and, and just, you know, like we, we'd play Saturday night and Sundays would be a total write-off because we were so hyped from the caffeine. Um, so that's, that got us an AD, AD&D second edition. Yeah, so that's, that's really a long time ago. Obviously, characters Classic stuff, yeah. have changed. Yeah, well, I mean, I, uh, like if we want to talk a little bit about this, the system, fifth edition is my favorite of them all because it has all the, the free sort of the – the, the, the feeling of AD&D second edition without all the stupid rules, um, you know, the, the notion that your armor class goes into negatives and yeah. all that kind of stuff that a modern player would just look at and go, what? Mm-hmm. Like, big is good now. Big numbers are good. Like, Thacko, what? What? What is that? <laughs> all this ridiculous stuff. And like, you are saving throws, power, was poison and wands, rods and stuff. What? None of this makes any sense at all. So fifth edition has stripped all that away but has kept the feeling of playing second edition in a way that I've never, not, not, no other um, version since has, has let feel. So I love it. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah, no, the fifth edition, I mean, I've been around since oh, late 90s. Or no, early 90s even with it. But I went, I saw, I started with um, AD&D AD, second edition as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fifth edition is just so great. We're just going to gush about it and get, you know, Wizards of the Coast <laughs> Center stuff now because we're smart that way. That's it. So what's your play style? I mean, I noticed when you were talking about Calyx, you say I a lot. And I know a lot of people don't often say that. They'll talk about the character doing this. Um, but when they're actually at the table, they'll be doing the voice or something. So I'm wondering what your play style at the table is when you're a character and not um, the DM. It's, uh, it's, it's actually quite funny because we joke around a lot and we're smart asses and, you know, um, and, and it's the, a, a dungeon master who wants to just who, who's fed up with all the jokes and smart assery can take something that you're just saying offhandedly and go, oh, you said that out loud because you haven't made a distinction. So we actually have like established the rule, like, well, you put your hand on your head. I'm speaking out of character. Nothing I say can be used against you, um, which is pretty funny. So uh, it actually is a mix. So to be honest, um, I think most of us, uh, and my daughter plays with us as well now. She's she's uh, 15. Um, we we all just we, we kind of describe what our characters do and we don't really refer to ourselves as I until unless we're actually acting. So if we're talking to someone, we'll say blah blah blah, or you, or or we might say, okay, I'm going to go over and talk to the prince, and then you can talk in character. But we don't really get like we don't really get too hung up in. I'm sitting at the table now, and I will only act as um, as myself, yeah, uh, as my character. Yeah, yeah. It's not the the full improv that um that some people go into. Yeah, it's just that that requires a lot of energy and can be difficult to maintain, especially when you get bogged down a little bit in some of the mechanics of, you know, my second attack and bonus reactions and all that kind of stuff, which admittedly is a lot simpler in fifth edition than it was in fourth edition, um, but can still, like, you just, I don't think you can easily maintain a a full character. I mean, that's just me. I'm not going to speak for other, other players. No, I think that, well, it's, this is about you. This is about your character. Although, um, so Calyx is your most current one. 
and you said yes. that the first one was the um the one with the multi-class fighter wizard oh, yeah, and rogue I, there was no characters but yeah it would have been a wizard in there as well i have no recollection i don't even think there was a character name <laughs> just fighter one yeah <laughs> yeah we, we didn't worry too much about role playing i was too busy trying to we'll figure out how to subtract negative 10 from the, the back <laughs> roll and um we have uh there, there, I, there are two characters in my past of all these years that have really uh, stuck with me actually that would be interesting yeah. to, to quickly touch on yeah go uh, for it that was going to be my next question are there yeah, any yeah. characters that you'd love to go back to or ones that just remind you always remember uh absolutely i have a um i had a character called marcus Shoal. uh he was an elf back in the days when elves could not be raised um so when they were dead they were dead that was, was a while ago. I don't remember that rule. Was that yeah, was was that just a bit of fluff? Or, um... no, second, I'm pretty sure elves, elves could not be raised from the dead. Um, oh. Oh, so, yeah. And he was, a, he was a death cleric. Uh, this was back in the days when clerics could only use maces. And so we just kind of fudged it and said he could use a sword. Um, but, but also, he's a death cleric, so he couldn't wear any armor. And the system really didn't sort of allow for that. So we had to fudge a little bit. Like we, it was a stage between... Uh, second edition and third edition where we homebrewed an entire for, version on that so that you could use weapons to defend yourself instead of relying on armor. Uh, effectively, a weapon would add to your armor class. Right? Um, and so Marcus Shua was a was a cleric of death and he was this bald elf. He had um, a black skull um, makeup on that was his holy symbol was the end of his, um, the pommel of his sword, which was a which was a, uh, a skull, and on his sword the was the ritual uh, letters D U A M D V A M, which for whatever reason there was Latin in in this world. I mean, I was making it up. Yeah, why not? I was probably early twenties, and it was it was a Dum Vivis Amplexare Mortem, which means while alive, embrace death, or while you live, embrace death. So that was his thing. He was the death cleric, so it's killing people and everything. It was great, and that he he survived a ridiculously long time, considering he couldn't be raised from the dead, yeah. not just because he was an elf, but because it was against his religion and uh, that he wasn't wearing any armor. And it was actually his demise that kind of got us into the habit of the, the, the DM running the game, not having their character in the party. So normally we would just have the, the, the DM's character become an NPC and you could just run around and do your thing and everything would be fine. And we had some pretty brutal uh, critical hits at the time. And so while... Marcus was an NPC in the party. Some demons came after us, and one of them attacked him and bit him in the head and did enough damage to kill him instantly. And I just went, that is the most disappointing character. Death. Like, it was effectively <laughs> off screen. I didn't even die. I died attacking myself because I was controlling both the monster and the guy, and I went, this is – I couldn't fudge it because that would be unfair. So you've only got so, yourself to blame, really. I've only got myself to blame. It was so unsatisfying that I've never again – allowed myself and we kind of just went this is a terrible idea so we've never let the dm no, it's not that we never let them the dm just has chosen since then as we rotate around not to have their character it's just easier that way um so yeah that was uh, was deeply disappointing uh, demise um and another the other character that really stands out um in my memory was i think it, by then we were playing third edition and sadly i can't even remember his name he was a dumb as dog shit Half orc cleric. They're the best, honestly. Half orcs are so much fun. Yeah, I, I used the wizard, so it was kind of I don't know why both these interesting characters were clerics. Um, but he was he was dumb, and because you had in I think in third edition or three and a half edition, you had 
uh, skill points which were based on your intelligence. So I was literally getting one skill point per level. So my skills were, it was terrible. But I was good at hitting things and I was good at casting spells. And he hung around with the party and we all adventured. I think we got to about level eight or nine before we were all murdered by our own stupidity. And it was the most <laughs> deserved uh, total party kill in the history of parties. And I will describe to you how this went. Please so, do. Please do. So over the course of the adventure, our party had met with a powerful, uh, say, like a, a thieves guild guy uh, who had a even more powerful sorcerer girlfriend or a wizard girlfriend. She was something like, she was probably level 12, 13, 14, like super high, like at least twice our level. And as part of our adventures, we faced off with this guy. We didn't like him, blah, blah, blah. We did all the, all the, you know, all the fighting and all the problem solving and all the thwarting. And eventually we killed him. And of course, his girlfriend was really pissed off about that. But because, you know, she was really upset and we managed to get away and everything was fine, we literally dodged the bullet of having her hunt us down and kill us because she had higher priorities, like trying to get her boyfriend back. Yeah. Which would have been great if we just you know, left it at that and gotten the hell out of Dodge and continued on our merry adventuring ways. But no, we were interested in sort of investigating what was going on in this tower, this this big sort of, um, uh, not a palace, but like a mansion in town. So we, we mucked around in there and then we dug around in some rooms and we stole some stuff and then we came into a room where there was a ritual happening and we saw there was this portal and this sorceress whom we had managed to kind of, you know, she'd kind of forgotten about us in her grief. She was making a bargain with some kind of devil for the soul of her boyfriend who we'd killed. And instead of going, well, this is, this is deep, let's get the hell out. So that was our second opportunity. We basically disrupted the ritual, thus condemning his soul you know, to the void and removing any chance that she had of bringing him back. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of shifted her motivation in a way that was completely fair. And so the, the DM at the time, which is the, my friend who'd introduced me to the game, you know, 20 years before then, and knew the party quite well. And we all ran off and, you know, we're fleeing and blah, blah, blah. And we came to a clearing. And in the clearing, there was a tent. And from inside the tent came the sound of gold coins. And we thought this was a trap because, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. And so we had, we're like, well, how can we sneak across to the tent to see what's going on? Well, said our wizard, who was level eight, I'll just cast mass invisibility. We can all be invisible which is great. But of course, the person who is level 16 or 17, it's, it's, it's basically like the spell doesn't exist. Like they can see right through that crap. And they know you're doing it. Yeah, which doesn't oh, help. Here we, here we are clustered together in a three by three or a 10 by 10 foot square trying to slowly sneaking across this wide open plane, obviously visible to anyone <laughs> at a high enough level, but we cast the visibility, so it'll be fine, right? <laughs> we get to the tent. And then she casts a fireball and drops it on us. So all of us except for me die instantly. Uh, I was a cleric. I had the had some kind of elemental resistance. So I only went barely conscious. And then she came out with some soldiers and cast Earth Elemental and dragged me under the ground. And then I was dead. The end. <laughs> Whole party gone. Like, that's it. You know, years of, years of partying, adventuring, dead. And we had no one to blame but ourselves. We could have just left her alone. Do not fuck with really upset people who are twice your level. No, that's that's a lesson you really need to learn. You only need to learn it once. We've learned it once and we've never been that stupid ever again. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's an awesome one. One of the questions I've got down here is um, what moment would the bards sing um, from one of your characters about? I think they'd go on and on about that one. Oh, dear. That would be like the joke song at the local pub when everyone needed a good laugh. <laughs> 
So you say you played um, clerics and a couple of clerics that you've told us about and the monk and um, wizards as well. What's a character concept you haven't had a chance to go for yet? Uh, okay, I've never played a barbarian. I think that would be really interesting to, to work with. We have a barbarian on our party and they're really... Uh, they're really effective. They're just, you know, they're, they're interesting because, you know, they can't run around wearing armor. They have these rages that they really have to commit to. Otherwise, they, they kind of waste their um, their powers. So that would be quite interesting. Um, but what I'm actually really keen to do is to play a fighter in 5th edition because the fighter yeah. actually sounds super interesting. They've got really cool uh, action surges and combat dice and they can parry things and are really... Oh, and I'm enjoying playing a monk a lot because it's super flexible and fun. But uh, a fighter would be a really interesting uh, class to play, and I've really never played them. Mm, no, there's a couple of really fun ways to go with fighter, which wasn't always the case. I think oh, I remembering way back when the solo adventure in the uh, the um, the red or the original book, where it was a fighter, and you were basically I will hit this thing, and then I yeah, will it's get like hit. the easy the easy thing, and like wizard was the complicated one because if you hit me, I die. And uh, I have to think five, five days ahead to cast my spells. So yeah, I think they've found a really interesting and clever way of making every class feel very distinct and interesting to play. Uh, unlike, say, 4th edition, which I did enjoy for a while, but once you get high levels, everyone's basically the same. Right? But you're saying um, you'd want to try a fighter. Have you got a, a character idea for the fighter you'd want to play or just to, to give the class a try? Yeah, I, I just want to give the class a try. I haven't looked, uh, I haven't dug deeply enough into the... Um, into the specific builds in fifth edition for fighter because it, it does seem interesting it, in a similar vein uh, rogues have a lot of uh, interesting depth in fifth edition um uh that i want to play with um but i actually find that uh, intersecting the class with the race is really cool um so i'm watching so my daughter's playing a monk in art so I, I run a game for her friends so since they've been 12, I've been running this game. They're now 15 or so. And we've gone to a monthly schedule. So I'm running this and they're just getting... I mean, it's a sneaky way for me as an adult to monitor um, the, the the emotional development of the teenagers that my daughter hangs out with. Yeah, um, good And idea. I get to be the dad and, uh, and I get to play D&D with them. So she plays a monk, but she plays a tabaxi, which is like a cat. So she's a seven-foot yes. cat. And they get a free kind of double move every second turn. So she's just she's the character running alongside the gnomish tank that their party is like racing through the forest. She's the only one who can keep up with it because she's just really fast. That sounds like an awesome party. I love yeah. the idea of a tabaxi monk. It's yeah, a, yeah, a gnome it's... tank too. That's awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, that that's another fucking adventure right there. That's I'm gonna do some. I'm really gonna teach these kids not to accidentally. They, they accidentally had uh, a lord of Waterdeep exterminate and enslave all the gnomes in town because they accidentally killed his cat and then blamed it on the gnomes. They just kind of dumped it in the gnomish encampment. Next thing, all the gnomes are exterminated. One of the party members is a gnome illusionist who has to be in uh, disguised self all the time, otherwise someone just realizes that she's a gnome. So that's an entirely fucking, that's another story right there. It's so good when stuff like that just builds and builds and builds and suddenly you're having to wear a hat made of bone in certain cities because <laughs> yeah. that's how they know you there. Exactly right. Uh, it's it's actually really fun. Um, I, I, I did a one-off uh, rogue recently that I found, that was probably some of the most fun I've had playing a character and that was, again, uh, the racial choice. I was playing a... Uh, it's a Kenku. So that is a like a, a raven-headed... It's a, it's, it's not a, not like the, I'm trying to think of these weird races, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like a bird person, but it's a little bit more of a mimicking type. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the interesting thing about the Kenku is that they have the racial ability to mimic perfectly anything they've heard, which I think is actually too powerful, but that's beside the point. But they cannot actually speak themselves. So in this party, when I, it was just a one-off session we did because some of the players couldn't make it. Um, so I was the Kenku rogue, and I was furiously typing down everything that anyone ever said and then who said it so that I could mimic it in conversation so someone needed to say oh uh, how do we get to the left and i'd say it's in your head stupid or something like that and they would recognize because the party characters would recognize their own words coming back at them so they had a ball and it came in handy when i'd overhear passwords uh, that i could just repeat verbatim because just can do it and then what what i really enjoyed was i would just throw in arbitrary things that were obviously from my previous life that they'd never heard and so they might have been talking to me uh, about do you think we should go up the stairs and I would say in a in a in a woman's voice oh I'm not entirely comfortable with that <laughs> and I, yeah that's maybe some, oh. some some prostitute I'd had a conversation with they just, yeah they just a whole went, other question oh, who is this person what on earth is this kenku that I thought was a friend what, what is wrong with you exactly right uh, or you know some abuse that I had received at the the um, at the hands of a, a violent innkeeper or something like that but just I, those are the words I needed for that conversation but also happened to kind of do a little bit of, I mean, obviously for a one-off, we weren't doing some really deep back character stuff. They just thought I'd throw them off a little bit. They're like, what happened to this guy? So that was actually a lot of fun, super challenging, because there were moments where I needed to say to the party, don't go into that well, but I did not have the words. Like I'm scrolling through my thing going, what do I do here? And I'm just trying to pantomime it. They're too busy. <laughs> um, so so those are the, I really like when, when your racial sort of uh, aspects uh, intersect with the class. And going back to my um, elven death priest, the fact that he couldn't be raised from the dead and um, tying into his, you know, clerical sort of thing, I found that really cool. Is that what appeals to you about the game, that it's um, something that you can just create, like a the story that you're all sharing, obviously, but you get to build a world yourself with this, this um, collaboration? I mean, you've got the character of the elven death priest who can't be raised and you've got the the kenku who suddenly do that and you can see that things are going to go wrong but you're on the board for the story is that what appeals to you about what, <laughs> what appeals to you about the story about dnd is what i'm asking i guess yeah it's the it's uh, it, it's that sort of uh, group storytelling and it i mean effectively it's improv right it's improv theater everyone's kind of putting the story together you've got some rules that help you kind of constrain how the story and how the improvisation works you have the the dm there to bend the rules when the story accounts for it um and yeah what my that's that's one of my favorite things about it is um seeing how the story builds on the and how the world builds from the character choices so i don't do it when i'm running a game i don't do a lot of preparation i i mean that's purely because A, I'm lazy, and B, I've had so much experience that I can, for the most part, I can sit down. I've sat down with five teenagers. I've sat down with eight teenagers and just gone, go. Once they have characters, I'll just throw them into a, you know, I'll say, you're all at an inn. They're like, oh, well, that's a trope. Well, now you're just bragging. <laughs> yes. But, but, it's, but it's true. Like, that way we can sort of throw, um, we can build a story on on the things that are happening. And because everyone's part of that story, they can look back and go, ah, that, like they can see that cascade sort of effect. If you do it really well, it looks like you planned it. Yeah, that's all. It's all, I'm sure a lot of um, Dungeon Masters are going to be able to say, yeah, it's all about looking like you plan to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we should wrap this up. Um, if you'd like to say goodbye to our listeners as Kalex. Listeners, reality is an illusion. And the quicker you understand that, the better it is. Goodbye. And I hope I never see you again. So that is the first episode of Tell Me About Your D&D Character. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, please come over to SoundCloud where you can follow us for more episodes as they're brought out. The address is soundcloud.com slash tellmeaboutyourdnd or you can find us on Facebook where there's the Facebook group for the same sort of thing where I'm also posting a bunch of classic D&D covers with googly eyes put on them because I have too much time in my hands. Uh, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. But if you would like to tell us about your D&D character, you can shoot us a message through one of those services or you can send us an email to tellmeaboutyourdnd at gmail.com. Uh, and until next time, may all your hits be crits.